welcome to Liberty Lake Church. Come on and join us for worship. Stand if you feel like it. announcements next. I almost took a seat too. Good morning. Welcome to Liberty Lake Church. My name is Gary. If you guys don't know me, I'm uh, one of the elders here and we have some announcements. Um, youth group meets tonight, 530. Lasts until about seven. Um, really good news turkey fries today. So right after service, um, we will be following um, the health board um, guidelines for the, for the cooking and the serving. So it's not a potluck. It's um, prepared by some of the ladies up in the kitchen. It will be served to us. Um, we just basically have to go up there and follow directions like we always do. So uh, coffee with Shane is back. He's doing that every morning at 10, or every Wednesday morning, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock, and uh, that's on Facebook is, a, is where to find that. Operation Christmas Child, uh, you notice there are some shoe boxes in the back, and uh, 
There are still a few there, so please grab one if you uh, haven't yet. Um, we need them back by uh, Sunday, or you can bring them if you can't, if you're not going to be here or something is uh, causing a problem with that, you can bring them in and drop them off at the office also anytime during the week. Uh, ladies game night. That will be Monday night, November 16th. So that's next Monday, week from tomorrow, at 6.30 in the, um, up in the Family Life Center. It says, please bring a snack to share and plan on having some fun. So um, you ladies that are baking for that, if you need like a taste test ahead of time, let me know. Um, okay, Kristen, you are up. Um, good morning. It's that time of year again where we have Angel Tree starting. Um, if you are not familiar with it, basically our church works to sponsor um, prisoners, local families who um, have a parent incarcerated. We sponsor their um, kids' Christmas wishes um, at Christmas time. Um, what I'm in need of um, is I just got the list of names um, for. 40 kids that we are sponsoring or hope to sponsor and I really need um, probably two volunteers that would love to be on the phone over this next week um, contacting families um, and just um, yeah getting some information it's all scripted it's super easy it's just I need help <laughs> so if you would like to um, help with phone calls for this first step of the process please just catch me after church um, and I would be happy to um, get your information and get you the, the dialogue and all of that. Um, and then in a few weeks, at the end of the month, we'll have the tags ready for, it's kind of like Tree of Sharing if you've done that before. Very similar, so we'll look forward to keeping you updated on all that. Thanks, Kristen. Okay, and last thing on my list here is pretty cool stuff. Uh, we have a couple of new members that I want to introduce. Uh, hopefully we, we know them already, but we don't know them as new members. So um, Candy Hill and Daryl and Height, could you please stand just for a sec? Just so people can see who you are. And uh, welcome them to our, our body. And uh, you guys going to be at the turkey fry? You going to come to the turkey fry? Okay, all right. So... There you go. You've got a chance to uh, interact and uh, welcome them. Okay, let's uh, continue to worship.
Apparently. All right, don't pay attention to the pink elephant. 
Hello. Still not ready. You guys ever heard any advice that you thought or information that you just thought, man, that can't be true? Anybody ever told you that? I'm thinking, you know, primarily in marriage, right? When we're young, people are telling us things about marriage. Normally, they're older people, and they're smiling at you, and they're giving you this advice that makes how you feel about what's happening right now in your life seem like it's going to be really miserable. Any of you ever experienced advice like that? We gave, I give it now. Um, and it's genuinely out of a, not a, out of a heart to make people miserable, but it's because you want them to know what they're getting into so they're not surprised, so they can prepare for it and, and, and really put their minds and their hearts towards not being stuck in that spot, right? And, and we give that advice. And I think at times parents give that advice. Uh, you know, my, my parents used to give me the advice that I needed to slow down in my car. Why are you guys laughing? That's not... I, I got a ticket, and the officer agreed with my, my family. In fact, one, of the, uh, one evening I came home from youth group, and my mom stopped me at the door, and she goes, is there a reason that missed... I can't remember his name. It was somebody in the neighborhood. Uh, and we lived out... You need to understand, we lived out in a farm community. So when I say neighborhood, it was like 20-acre parcels of land. And so-and-so, somebody down the road had called my mom and said, hey, just so you know, you guys might want to get start preparing for the funeral service for your son because of the way he's driving. I'm like, that was, that's great input to receive as a 16-year-old kid when your mom meets you at the door. What is it about people telling us we can or cannot do something that drives us to say the opposite? Right? Isn't that amazing? Don't, aren't you guys ever amazed by your own heart in that? Hey, don't do this, or you can't do this. And we're like, oh, yes, I can. Watch me. It's interesting that even in the spiritual realm of things, we actually see this interaction between uh, Jesus and Peter specifically, but it's all of the young men that he has in his uh, discipleship core here. We're actually going to watch them look at Jesus and say, nope, you're wrong. We're going we're gonna to do it, and we're going to do it well, and uh, in spite of what you say, we're going we're gonna to actually be, uh, we're going to do the right thing. I really um, can relate to some of this um, very, very well, and hopefully I've got an illustration that we're going to try in, in just a little bit that will hopefully really drive this home, but um, as many of you know, I, uh, I was... Um, how do we say this? Uh, in the spiritual sense, I was asked to depart from Bible school after about a year of being there. They agreed with me that I had a problem with authority and thought I should take a break. Now, what's very interesting about this, the reason that I went back um, was actually completely stubbornness, which you say, how do you go back to Bible school out of stubbornness? Well, I was determined that they would not that they would not actually be right about my heart. And so I went back to prove them wrong that I was going to succeed and I was going to make it through their program. Which by the way, just so you know, that's brilliant. You go back to suffering for the sake of of proving them wrong. It ended up being the best decision in my life because I met my bride there and uh God really worked over my heart. Um, I, I remember one particular moment that I, I actually was in with the dean of men, and I was confessing that I had lied about my chores. I, I, at this particular small school, we all had uh, work detail that we had to do, and somehow I made it on the two-year bathroom cleaning detail. Normally, it's six months. So I had endeared myself to the leadership of the school, and I got bathroom detail for the two years I was there. And in the process, I had a particular weekend that I had lied about cleaning the bathroom that weekend just because I was, just let's just be honest, I had a problem with authority, and I was tired and I was done. And so I went in to confess it because nobody caught me. Um, I'd been doing a really good job that year, and my, the guy that was overseeing the whole thing, a military background, and he would, he would actually tell me when I left pieces like behind toilets and all this stuff. I mean, those things were clean. And he sat with me, and um, the gentleman that I was the, at the time that was 
the dean of men, he looked at me and goes, I, I know what you were like beforehand, and I don't believe you. Uh, and so somehow I ended up with the detention, uh, the workload of like, you know, having lied multiple times, and I got hours of, of disciplinary process. Of I actually did. I scrubbed the stairs with a handbrush. It was awesome. I tell you that because uh, when we think about hearing from Jesus, when we think about what the Word of God speaks into our lives, there's many times as we read this stuff and we're going, well, yeah, that really works for everyone else, but it's not re- doesn't really apply to me because I'm not that bad or I'm not, I'm not going to fail in such an epic way. And yet we watch today as Jesus' disciples um, refuse to accept the fact that they're uh, failures are well uh, evident to their Messiah and their rabbi in Jesus. Would you jump into Mark chapter 14, verse 26 with me this morning? We're going to read our text and begin uh, this process. And my hope is, as we finish today, that you're encouraged and deeply challenged to evaluate your own heart as I have been doing this week myself. Mark chapter 14, verse 26, the text says this, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. I love Pete. Don't you love Peter? Even if the rest of these losers back out, not me. Don't you love that? Um, I still, every now and then I watch how they interact with one another. I'm thinking they had to have actually swung at one another from time to time. I mean, you think about, I, I raised, we raised four boys. And the disagreements that they would get into over small things. And these guys, I mean, they, they insult one another from time to time, just like this. Lord, even if all the rest of them walk, I'm your man. I'm going to stay put. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So what do we see in this? The first thing I think we see is that Jesus is actually, he's exposing their own hearts, right? Jesus knows uh, their hearts. He knows what's happening. He knew about Judas. He knew all these things. And so he's exposing their heart and he's sharing this with them. And and I believe it's intended to help them prepare for what's going to happen, to be ready for this uh, so that he can restore them. And he he even lays it out in the text. I love this. But the first thing he says to them is, hey, you guys are all going to fall away. You're all going to deny me. You're all going to leave. Now, this had happened earlier. We actually saw Jesus when he was teaching to the larger crowd of disciples. He exposed that many of them were just there for the show. And he, he shares that with them. And, and many of the disciples leave. And he turns back to his disciples and he says, what about you? And Peter said that incredible phrase, Lord, where would we, where would we go? You are the Lord. And so Jesus here, he's sharing with them that even these great men, the 11 that are there with him, who are faithful and love him and are following him, still don't understand what's going to happen, are going to fall away. And he actually uses a a, a passage out of Zechariah, the prophetic word of Zechariah in Zechariah 12, verse 7. I'm going to read this passage for you. I, I, I love this. Jesus quotes a piece of it. But if you read the passage out of Zechariah, you'll actually see an incredible uh, truth that's in this um, that is just encouraging to me. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little one. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. The thing I love about that that prophecy is you actually see evidence of Jeremiah's prophecy in 3131 that we read last week. They will call uh, him their God and I will call them my people. But you also see this amazing prophecy of the refinement process that he's going to take his people through. 
We read about that in other passages. And here Jesus is tying all that together and saying, guys, you're going you're gonna to run because I'm going to be struck and the sheep will scatter. It's the reality of what's coming. In John chapter 16, starting in verse 32 and verse 33, Jesus reminds them of this again. John 16, verse 32. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He's reminding them of the realities that are coming. And in the midst of this, he shares with them that there's hope. And, and what, a, what a beautiful picture that Jesus is painting for his disciples. You're going to fall away? This is a reality. It's, it's written. It's prophesied about. It's going to happen. This is the word of the Lord. And in the middle of that, don't you guys, ever, when you read some of what Jesus does, you're like, man, he's so comfortable with this. It appears that he's comfortable. He says, you're going to fall away. And by the way, um, after I'm raised up, okay, what happens before you're raised up? He's going to be killed. He, he's preparing his disciples for this. This is what's coming. After I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I'll see you guys in Galilee. Okay, that didn't, I, I thought, is that really how, like, hey guys, I'm going to die and I'll see you guys in Galilee. Don't worry, we'll get back together over here. Do you see at all the, just the, the, the confidence that Jesus has in God, in the situation, in the plan that's coming? I know, I, I think to myself, man, if Jesus were to tell me that, I don't think I would see it as encouraging yet either. In fact, how many of you are really good at waiting? Okay, one. Hmm. <laughs> there's some rumors going around she might be lying okay uh, i found out to, i found out uh this last uh, couple of weeks that i'm not good at waiting um which is not a surprise to many of you or my family um but we're waiting for them to start building a house and uh there's nothing in my life that i love more than waiting um i'm finding and what i realize is that i'm so used to doing everything on my own um, when we had home projects, I, I built a shop. When we, when we had to remodel the inside of the house, uh, some of you came and helped me, and we, we did the work. Uh, I, I've done a lot of that work, and so waiting for someone else to get started and to get the process going is killing me. What I mean by that is that I'm having to give it up to the Lord on a regular basis because here Jesus is telling his disciples that this is coming and he's predicting his death and his resurrection and the boys don't understand and it is got to be baffling to them. And, and he's, he's doing it more than, it's not like this is just a one-time event. He's preparing them for this process. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Uh, we're in the Gospels a lot because this is Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 through 40, uh, he, he's actually giving them the, the, another prophetic word from the Old Testament, another sign for the Pharisees and the scribes. It was, they were challenging him, and his disciples are standing here listening to this. Look at what Jesus says about um, their request for more signs. John chapter 12, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus gives them the evidence or the, the, the sign to look for, the 
priests and scribes, they're all looking for it. The disciples are watching all this, and Jesus says, I'm going to be, the Son of Man will experience the same miraculous sign that Jonah did, which was what? Three days in the belly of a fish, and then he comes back and he takes the, the gospel, it wasn't the gospel at the time, it was the word of the Lord, it was the good news of God to the people of Nineveh, and they, and they heard it. If you don't repent, destruction will come. I'm sure that, that Jonah's gospel was, was just laced with love for Nineveh. He, he loved them so much. But the people of Nineveh heard the word of the Lord and they responded to it. Which was in con- great contrast to the people of God at the time who were rejecting the word of the Lord. So here Jesus is sharing with his disciples, you're going to fall away. And he shares with them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised again. I'll be resurrected. And when that is done, we will gather together in Galilee. I got to be honest with you. I wrote Peter's response down here, and I've been wrestling all week going, what's the right response to that? Just think about it for a minute. What's the right response to that? Your rabbi the person that you believe is the Christ, the, the prophesied one that's coming, he's just telling you, that he's telling you that he's going to be killed and raised again. It totally violates the whole plan of the kingdom expectation that the disciples had. That's the opposite of what they were planning on. They're thinking he's going to come in and take over the kingship, rule as David did, and put Jeru- uh, the Jews back into that beautiful kingdom that they dream about from the days of King David and King Solomon. And yet here he's telling them that they're going to... What's the right response to this? Okay, Lord. I, I'm wrestling with it myself. And part of the process, or the problem I think that we run into, Peter's response is very human. It's exactly how we would respond. Nope, God, I'm sticking by your side. I won't go anywhere. In fact, I remember as a young man, I was in Bible school, and we had this group. We were, we were planning on running out to, um, there was this the village, there was this tribal mountain area that they needed 20 guys to commit to flying into and hiking for two days up to the top of this mountain to build an airstrip. And, and they, were, they were looking for young men that would be willing to do that. Turns out some of the tribal people were hostile, and it was a great risk. And man, we were all signing up going, Sign me up, I'm in. We're going to this thing. Um, had a problem with authority, and they kicked me out, and I came back and found Sally, and suddenly, possible death. Um, you know, I think I could probably go and do something else. Don't you love Pete? What's his response? Verse 29 of Mark chapter 14. Even though they all fall away, I will not. Even though they all fall away, I will not. In fact, Peter is so convinced of his passion and his willingness to follow Jesus that he says, even if I must die, I will not abandon you. I will not deny you. So here's the question. We're going to look at what Jesus describes and why I, I, I think I know, I, I believe that there's an application of why Jesus so specifically explains Peter's denial. But the first thing I want to wrestle with is, is with you, as I've been wrestling with this week, is do we respond that way to God? Do we respond that way to the Word of God? Uh, part of what I'm, I'm wrestling with my own, my own heart is that when Scripture says that something is sin or that my heart attitude is wrong, do I respond, Lord, you're right, help me? Or do I respond, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to make more rules. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more disciplined. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder. I, I'm gonna, how many of you ever promised God that you wouldn't do a sin again? Man, as a kid, oh. Lord, I'll never have that attitude. The worst one, right, is, God, if you give me this, if you give me my Schwinn bike at 12 years old, I promise I'll never do this. I think it might have been something to do with rebelling against my parents, which was a colossal fail. And I even got the Schwinn bike. Have we talked about that? Um, What's the reality of our hearts? We desperately want to follow Jesus. We don't come to church. We don't claim to be Christians if we don't desperately want to follow Jesus. 
I want to do it in my illustration because we're going to look at some scripture. No, we're going to look at the scripture first, then I'll do my illustration. I'm st- I still haven't figured out if this is going to work, so you guys will have you guys will be my test dummies on this. Wait, not dummies. That's the wrong word. That's not subject. Thank you. Needed somebody else better with words than me in this spot. Look at Matthew chapter five. I just we're going to take two passages. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about the heart of man, mankind. And we're going to wrestle with that for just a minute and, and just address the question, are we, are, do we agree with God in this or are we rejecting the word of God in this particular area? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you must not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going to, uh, with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge. Did I go past it? Nope, I'm still there. Good. Uh, and you'd be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So, anger. Insult. Do we believe that? Do we believe that if we're fostering anger with our brothers in the Lord, or insulting our brothers in the Lord, that we are guilty of the same judgment as murder before God? Hmm. But do we believe this? Do we go and make right our relationships with one another before we come to try and worship God. When we talk about whether or not we believe it, whether or not we accomplish the task, it's normally we look at that and we say, okay, so if I believe it, then I do it. If I don't believe it, then I ignore it, right? Here's another one. This one's awesome. You'll, You'll really like this one. Same passage, chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek, the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Do we believe that? Turn the other cheek. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're really good at that, aren't we? Go ahead and insult me. Go ahead and 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 do wrong by me. Because you know what? God's got my back. I believe that. So do we? As a church, do we behave this way? The real question in this process is, are we going to accept the Word of God and respond to Him in this? I'm going to show you my illustration. I've asked Travis to be my, to be my, my guinea pig. So, Travis, would you come up here? Um, test subject. Test subject. Um, I, if, I, may need, I may need one or two other volunteers. If you're, if you're comfortable with being up here, uh, give, me, give me a second, and I'm gonna, we're going to do this. Okay, so the first thing you need is this. Do not swing it. You're going to hold it with two hands. Now, part of what we're doing is I'm going to give Travis what I hope to be an impossible task. So, because um, this is it, this is going to be really challenging. Um, so, what your job is going to be is to balance this on top of that. But before you do that, you need to know the consequences. Okay. So, if you can't balance this on top of that, then you are going to die and spend an eternity without God. Okay. <laughs> It's just for illustration purposes, everybody. I was trying to find an impossible task, but I 
This is going to be pretty close. So, but before we do that, I want to put you into a real life scenario. So hold on to that idea. The first thing that we got to do is we are going to address some life issues. So put your, you got to hold your hands out. And I know you're going to not like me. So you got a job, right, with that, right? Do you have a job? Oh, yeah, you do. You have a job. He works here. So just in case you didn't know, that was a joke. All right. Um, But you also have vehicles. Your vehicles are awesome, aren't they? They're Subaru, so they never have to be worked on. Except for the one I worked on the other day. And then you have family. There's no, there's no tr- struggle with families, are there? No, that's all right. We'll put a little bit of weight on there. And then you have, do you have personal issues? <laughs> on top of that, you have to work with Julie and I. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put two on for that. Okay. How are your arms doing? <laughs> getting, uh, they're getting tired, aren't they? So the other, I need two volunteers. Can some, anybody that's comfortable coming up? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Come on up, Dave. I, I need another one. I need somebody else. Three volunteers would be great. Come on up. So, yep. So Dave, your job is to give them bad advice. Gail, your job is bad advice. Okay. So why don't you come over here, right here? And Chris, you're over here. You're going to be good advice. So Gail, why don't you come over here so you guys can really get in his ear? We have people in our lives that give us lots of input, right? Not always the best, sometimes good, but we do tend to have people who are helping us. Do you need a break? What? You're going to go? No, okay. Good. All right. Bye. And then the last and final piece is that so many of us are blind to our own sins. So, so now your job is with them giving you advice. You guys make sure he doesn't lose balance of this ball. Okay? You are going to try and balance this ball up here, and if it falls off, then we have an eternal problem. Okay, you got to start. Go ahead and start whenever you're ready. Give, give me advice, guys. You guys got to help him out. Just let it go. Are you going to? Okay, anytime. This is. Okay. All right. You guys, you guys can help him. All right. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Thank you very, very much. That's a lot more weight than what you think it was, isn't it? <laughs> What's the point? So often, you guys, in our spiritual walk, we come to the cross, we come to Scripture, and we're like, we are bringing our best to the table. We are going to do our best for God. Peter and the disciples were convinced Jesus had called them. He'd called them out of the rest of the world. He'd called them away out of all of the other men and women that were available to follow Jesus. He called these 12 and only 11 remaining now. And he said, come and follow me. And they've, they're committed to that process, and they're faithful to that process, and they are convinced that they've got to try even harder. But what he's asked them to do is impossible for us and for them to do. Now, I'm not saying that we don't look at sin in our lives and address it properly, but there are times in our lives I think that we need to read the Word of God and acknowledge that He's right. And when I see anger in my life, when I see uh, uh, retaliation in my life, go back, you can read all of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and you'll see all kinds of opportunities for growth in our lives. When we see those realities, our response needs to be that of repentance and that of dependence and and that of following the Lord, not of self-determination and better effort. Although that comes, although that's part of what we do, I think one of the reasons that Jesus describes Peter's uh, uh, rejection or denial so clearly is because Peter was faithful to the very last man. When the rest of the disciples left, Peter and John were still there with him. Look at uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 15. says this, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. 
Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not, uh, are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant girl and officers had made a, a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was there standing and warming himself. And we get the remainder of that story. The, 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 another view of that is in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 55. Luke 22, 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard... And sat down together. Pete, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I think so often in our own hearts, our desire is that we would be faithful. Our desire is that, that we would not fall away. We would not uh, stumble into sin. We would not choose, willingly choose sin when we know what the Word says. And yet we watch the heart and we watch the reality of these things exposed over and over in Scripture. You know, we read on, uh, it was so encouraging to me, uh, on our coffee with Shane this last week, which, by the way, I just want to clarify, um, we do have a men's group that prays on Monday mornings here at 9 o'clock. If, if you're interested in coming for prayer, there is coffee. Uh, you can come and join us at 9 o'clock in the foyer. Um, but Wednesdays, it's an online thing. But we were reading through uh, Ephesians chapter 1 again the last couple of weeks, and one of the key elements of that is this idea that we are blessed with the body. We are blessed with one another. How, what better way to address the sinful uh, brokenness that we have than to actually exercise the word of God that says that we should confess our sins one to another? How better do you uh, stay out of a spot where you can hide your sin than when you're telling other people about them? Now, I'm not saying that we get up here and everybody tells their sins. Just relax. It's painful enough for me. But we should have somebody in the body of believers that we celebrate with, that can help us carry that burden. What did Travis need at that moment to accomplish that task? Jesus. But part of what he gave him was a whole bunch of other people that when we're in right relationship, we're able to help hold up the arms. We're able to help carry some of the burden. We're able to help balance some of the issues in life. It's not about doing it alone. It's not about the, the Lone Ranger Christianity is not biblical. And let's just be honest, you and I can't handle our sin. 99% of the time because we're blind to it. Somehow when we look through our perspective, the log in our own eye is completely obscured by the speck in someone else's. How is that possible? It's because it's... I honestly believe it's by design that God allows us to be blinded to our own so we're dependent on Him and we're dependent on others. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just pull up your bootstraps and those of us that were really disciplined and those that were really committed would make it on our own? Even Jesus' disciples couldn't pull that off. I've got homework for you guys this week, which you're going to love. Just read John chapter 14. John chapter 14, it, 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 Jesus speaks about who he is and about who we are. And it's uh, this great passage of, of immense encouragement. And he's given it to his disciples to remind them, to encourage them. He talks about 
him, he being the way, the truth, and the life, he, he talks about this idea that if we really love him, we're going to obey him. It's, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture, and I think it's part of the desperate need of the church to recognize that the, the walk that we have, the lives that we live, they're not measured by how hard we try. And, and I know, you know, when you think about work and you think about our success in life, the world describes success by the lack of our own failures. You know, how high up in the company do you rise? How much money do you have? How many people, now it's how many people like you. Have you guys ever wondered about how, what, what is that? Um, there is even career paths now. They're called influencers. And they have micro-influencers and macro-influencers. I mean, they got a whole system for this, all based on how many likes you get. I'm going to go out and start making profiles and just liking myself. I mean, that's kind of what we do anyway in our real lives. But, but the whole image of what it means to succeed in our country has almost nothing to do with what Jesus says about what it means to succeed for eternity. Our salvation, our hope, our success is based on his work on the cross. It's based on faith in him and following him. And he even takes the 11 guys that are left that have been the most faithful to him, the ones that were going to suffer immensely for their faith. Think about this. In the scope of eternity, those 11 men got to walk with Jesus on this earth for the sake of, of taking the church and establishing through Christ the new covenant. that all these years later, we still celebrate and we still live within. I am convinced that you and I would have done no better. In fact, based on the reality that I wasn't chosen for the job, I'm confident I would have done worse. And yet today, you and I get the opportunity to follow Jesus or not. You and I get the opportunity to read His Word and decide, is it true or is it not? Do I believe it or don't I? And much like the disciples, my heart and my intentions are good, but my flesh is incredibly weak. And I need to be more dependent on the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if I had like a ABC thing that you could do out of this? That's what I was wrestling with all week. I'm like, okay, so what's the point? Like, what's the application? Because I just told you not to try very hard, right? Because holding that up, carrying all your burdens, who can do it? And all week long, I'm going, okay, Lord, where's the, like, where's the do? What, what's the thing that we're going to walk away? And, and as I was going through this process, everything that kept coming to my heart is just surrender. Well, yeah, but that's not doing anything. Well, okay, trust me. Yeah, but... That sounds wonderful, but what do you do tomorrow morning? Trust me. But I want to do something. I'm tired of waiting. But what does it look like? What does it look like? You know, for some of us, trusting the Lord means getting up and opening the Bible and saying, okay, God, you got to speak today because I haven't heard from you in years. Or maybe it's your first time reaching out to the Lord and you don't know that he's there. You're not even confident that this is real. Some weirdo bald guy is talking about Jesus like he's a real thing. Maybe that's trusting the Lord. Maybe trusting the Lord for you this week is going back and, and actually trying to fix a relationship that's been broken for years. And maybe that's part of being dependent and waiting on the Lord this week. Maybe for some, someone in this group, You've been hearing him call and you haven't actually responded. And maybe that, that first step of trusting is saying, okay, God, open my eyes that I can see. I will trust you today. I don't know what God's calling each of you to do. But I know part of what God's calling me to do is stop trying to do it under my own power. Stop depending on my ability or, or, or my own intelligence, my own knowledge of things, uh, my own determination. Uh, you know, I, since I have a problem with authority, most people think that I'm pretty determined and strong-willed. Well, it turns out I am when it comes to selfishness. But when it comes to surrender and, and living selflessly for other people, not such a determined person. 
pretty easily distracted by life. So what is it that God has for you? I don't really know. And honestly, I'm glad I don't. Because I think it would drive me crazy if I had to deal with your problems as well as mine. But I know for me, I would say there's two key things that God has really put on my heart this week. Trusting Him in confession and the fact that He's transforming my life, even the bad attitudes and the dumb stuff that I do, and trusting Him that the people He put around me are exactly who God's called to be in my life. That you are truly the body of Christ for me. Which means I can trust you. <laughs> that doesn't bother some of you? That should scare you to death if we have to really trust one another. If we have to be trustworthy. If we're going to be dependent on the Lord to change us when we can't change ourselves. You know, the beauty of this text and the beauty of the scripture is that we're going to watch Jesus uh, fulfill his word in this. We're going to watch it happen over the next few weeks. And then we're going to watch, uh, we know, uh, Mark ends kind of abruptly, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see that as it ends. Uh, but we know from other scripture how the disciples go out and, and how they live for the Lord and how they faithfully serve and make mistakes along the way. So I hope that as you look at this, you are encouraged. Not, my, my goal is not to discourage you. Um, I found myself this week very encouraged uh, as I was looking at life going, I'm not doing this well, and, and Jesus knew that. When he went to the cross, he, he knows me. Uh, David speaks in the Psalms about how God knew us before we were created, before we were crafted in our mother's womb. He knew us. So he knows each of our weaknesses. He knows each of our struggles. He knows each of our sins and our failures. And yet, in that reality, he still says that, I love the world so much, I'm going to send my son. He still says that there's hope for those of us that trust in him. One of the most wicked nations in Israel's experience at the time with Jonah and the Ninevites. Horrible people. They responded to the word of God, and Jesus says they're going to sit in judgment over Israel, people in Israel, the Pharisees and scribes who reject the word of the Lord. I think that as we think about our response to God this morning, it is to say, Father, Open my heart that I may see. Open my ears that I would hear. And humble my heart that I would surrender to your purposes and to your will. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I, I am humbled. I'm actually, uh, at moments this week, I've just been overwhelmed with the reality of your grace. Here you have your own disciples, the, the 11 that you've chosen, knowing that they're all going to run. And, and here Peter, he stays till the end. He's one of the last to leave. He's so faithful. He's so determined. And you specifically share with him the details of his denial, probably partially to prove as, as he looks at that, as he watches it happen, the, the, the wretchedness of his own heart, the blindness of his own heart to, his real, uh, to the sin in his life, but also, God, your knowledge, uh, Lord Jesus, your knowledge of our sin and our brokenness. And so when you offer your grace to a broken people, it's, it's not because... It's not having any kind of ignorance to the, how wretched we really are or how often I would choose to sin rather than choose righteousness. But it's because the vastness of your love. The overwhelming uh, extent and power of your grace and mercy and the ma uh, majesty of who you are that these things are offered to broken people who will choose sin. God, I pray that you would put it on each of our hearts. What is it that you would have us to do this week to trust you more, to surrender more, to humble our hearts more? Where is it that you would work? 
What, what areas of, of sinful blindness would you open to us that we would be um, prompted by your Spirit to repent, empowered by the, the, the will of God, our Father, to, to address those issues? God, I pray that you would be, bring transformation in heart uh, in this church, in each home that is represented here, God, and let us become a, a place of light. Not because of us, not because we're doing it so well, but because, God, you're changing our hearts and you're transforming those things. Taking broken and weak people and using them for your glory. I just thank you, God, that even though you knew me, you have offered salvation through your son. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Help me to be humbled by that reality. Amen.